there's no shame in divorce to me. If it's not working out, if y'all are feeling like I'm not being honored as a person, I'm not being honored as all these vows that we took in front of our family and friends and our ugly ass relatives, if those things are not being honored, then what are we doing? Welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast that gives you news you can trust for the culture. I'm your co-host with the most, Shada Pinnock, social media director here at The Grio. And I'm your co-host, Jaron Keith Gaynor, managing editor at The Grio. And this week we're asking, Dear Culture, don't you think it's time to do away with toxic Black love? This is going to be a show, Jaren. But before we even get into that, let's talk about a few things that's been on the radar this week, specifically the impeachment trial and, you know, that ragginess. Why don't you go ahead and lead us in, Jaren? <laughs> yeah, so as everyone knows, the impeachment trial of Donald Trump is over and he was, no surprise, acquitted by the Republicans in the U.S. Senate. But there were seven Republicans who did vote to convict him. But I want to shout out Congresswoman Stacey Plaskett, who is is the delegate for the U.S. Virgin Islands because she was not only the only Black woman serving as an impeachment manager, she completely killed it. I mean, she went viral. She was a trending topic. A lot of people didn't know who she was before the impeachment trial, and a lot of people know her now. (laughs) And I was just really impressed by how engaging she was with the senators because she was talking to the jurors, and there were times where she was funny. There were times where she was stern. She had such precision when she presented her case against Donald Trump. And And it's always a great feeling when you see a powerful Black woman kind of just shutting shit down. And she was one of the more, I think, formidable impeachment managers in that trial. And I was very proud of her. And there was a point where she called out Trump's defense lawyers for playing a video montage of predominantly Black women and people of color using language like fight, trying to compare the language of Democrats to Donald Trump's language, trying to insinuate that they too have incited violence. And we all know the stereotypes that Black and Brown people face in America historically and presently around us being violent or being inherently violent. And she called that out as a Black woman. She did not shy away from her identity as a Black woman. She represented, I think, Black America well. I think she represented Democrats well. And she also represented the U.S. Virgin Islands. She's also from Brooklyn. I'm a Brooklyn Knight, so I just felt really proud to see her in her glory. And I had the chance to interview Stacey Plaskett just yesterday, and we talked about her newfound, I guess, attention fame. And she basically was saying that she appreciates it, but really she would just focus on doing the job really well because she knew how important it was for her as a Black woman to be in that position. And I also asked her about her fashion because people were talking about her hair being laid, her outfit being snatched. And she actually said that she's not a fashionista. She said that her girlfriends went into her closet, picked out all her clothes and were like, (laughs) wear this. And so it was a bit collaborative. I thought that was really cool because it just speaks to the tribe that Black women create amongst each other. And I just love everything about her. But I also want to just say how deeply disappointed I am in Republicans just still. like they People like Mitch McConnell spoke out against Trump and said that he was morally responsible for what occurred, but didn't vote to convict. And it just speaks to this fear that Republicans have of Trump and his base. And I don't think that Trump is as powerful as they think, but they're so focused on retaining their seats and possibly getting power in the midterm elections in 2022 that they're just unwilling to do anything that will rock the boat. And it's really a shame because I saw the acquittal of Trump as a win for white supremacy.
supremacy yet again. We saw a white mob attack the Capitol and there was no repercussions for it. And aside from those people being arrested and being charged, but Donald Trump played a role in that. His original sin was the lie that the election was not fair and that he did not actually lose. And it was a lie. And Republicans know it is a lie and still continue to let him skate through. And so I hope that post-impeachment that we just see some criminal charge against Trump, not just for his role in the Capitol riots, but for the other crimes that he allegedly may have committed in tax fraud. And it's coming down the pipeline. And so I'm really excited to see what Letitia James in New York and the Fulton County prosecutor in Georgia, they are now investigating Trump and his actions both before and during his presidency. And maybe we'll get some justice some way. But it was just what a shame that here we are yet again, seeing Donald Trump being impeached twice and acquitted twice. Well, first off, you already said all the things that I was already thinking. So two things that you didn't because you couldn't. One, shout out to my soror, Stacey Plaskett. Of course, that was out here. We out here. Okay, the Reds was doing their thing, taking that man to task. And all I would have to say about Mitch McConnell is I'm going to use an acronym. Okay. I-K-Y-F-L. All right. Because Mitch McConnell got his raggedy turtle self, just got to approach the podium after voting to acquit this man to talk about, I don't even know, to basically try and have it both ways, to basically maybe try and show like, oh no, but I do understand like, yeah, he actually is guilty. First off, Mitch McConnell is a liar. Mitch McConnell is a fraud and Mitch McConnell is a miserable human being. And I wish nothing but the utmost amounts of like pain and grief for him. And I say that from the bottom of my heart. Now, for someone else who I'm kind of, maybe not as much pain and grief, but you know, but I am wishing for this person to get some repercussions. And that would have to be Kalina Collier. Come on, come on down. You need to approach the table, sis, because I have questions. So for anyone who is not aware, Kalina Collier is a JetBlue employee who took to IG Live to say that she was basically being held hostage in Jamaica at her resort. Social media kind of ran with it and was basically, you know, calling that she had been kidnapped and she was being possibly sex trafficked and all of these other things. She put out a video in one of these videos. She's like that they have cameras in her hotel room. You know, it's just real bad. And of course, social media got wind of this story and just took off with it. Right. And they're like, oh, gosh, you know, protect black women, believe black women, support black women, blah, 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 blah. Now, of course, it came out that No, Kalina Collier, she's not being detained. She's not being held hostage. She's not being kidnapped or held captive. Kalina Collier had a positive COVID test and was trying to, you know, circumvent quarantine. So apparently she flew to Jamaica and I guess she's from New York. She flew to Jamaica with a group of friends and apparently her mother. And before the flight, you're supposed to take like a rapid COVID test before you're able to get back on the plane. Her first test came back positive. They took it again within the hour that came back negative and they're like, clearly this rapid test thing ain't all the way clear. So I'm presuming they did the nasal swab, which is a little bit more definitive. And it came back positive and told her, well, now you got to quarantine for 14 days, which as far as I know, when you go on vacation and you're at like a hotel or something like that, they're letting you stay if you test positive for 14 days free of charge. No one's charging you anything. I mean, the only real problem that you're probably going to have is like, well, shit, you ain't call out for work, you know, for this extra two weeks. But cool. Now, this is where I get irritated is because it's a mixture of misinformation. This is why misinformation happens, one. And two. 
two, it's the audacity for me, right? It is the American entitlement for me. Now, first off, I wanted to address a couple things. And Jaren, you and I have talked about this before. And I said, social media, working in social media has taught me that common sense ain't common and more people are stupid than not. <laughs> so one thing that when I originally saw the videos and I went, if she's being sex trafficked, what sex trafficker would allow you to have a phone? I mean, I just thought that was just a common sense question to ask right now. Then in one of her videos, she's like, I don't know what day it is or what time it is. And I went, you're doing this on your phone with a clock, with a calendar on it, with internet access. What are you talking about? In another video, when she's talking about that, she found three cameras in her room and she's pointing to these cameras. Jaren, now if you've ever been in a hotel room, they have these things called fire sprinklers, right? So God forbid if a freaking fire, smoke or anything happens in your room, whoosh, water, you're safe, things are drenched, but everything's all good. This dummy was over here talking about that the fire sprinklers were cameras. So see, now I should have already known that she wasn't too bright. I should have already known this, right? Now, in another video, she says, oh, you know, they have me in like this dirty room, there's all this stuff going on. She says, there's no running water. Not even 50 seconds later, she goes, and then the water is running brown. Well, girl, which is it? Do you have brown water or do you have no water? Like, cause Scooby-Doo, I'm curious as to what's the truth? What's the reason? <laughs> Tell me the truth. Now, why I get so offended and I'm so irritated by this, we've talked about it. Jamaica is my father's home country. Jamaica is dependent upon tourism. All of these countries that are dependent upon tourism have taken a major hit because of the COVID pandemic, right? And now granted, the Jamaica and that hotel in particular, by no means is it perfect. Yes, sex trafficking happens there. Yes, terrible things things happen there. But for me, it's like, how dare you as another black woman in a time in which women in general, but specifically black women are being trafficked, are being abused, are being kidnapped, all of these things. And you're invoking this. And I don't care if she didn't actually say, oh yeah, well, I'm being kidnapped, blah, blah, blah. You allowed these people, you allowed these pages of free Kalina Collier, where is Kalina Collier and all this other nonsense. You allowed them to have the perception that you were kidnapped. And for me, it's like, again, it's another example of American entitlement. Deadass, you're a black Karen, plain and simple. That's what it is. And it's an American thing. It is because we just had a situation, old girl in Bali who was out here putting up Twitter threads about, oh yeah, well y'all should just move to Bali. It's so cheap. And you know, I've been living and working here for like a year and a half and da da da, da and all this other stuff since, you know, whatever since the pandemic and it got booted from Bali because you're violent violating their visitor visa laws. Girl, like what? It's very annoying. And then for all of this to happen and she went and released a statement on IG that I'm not going to read because it was lacking in all bits of accountability, right? It's just a matter of don't invoke protect black women when you're on some bull. Don't do that. Don't play with people. Just follow rules. And really, quite frankly, truly, to be honest, you could have just stayed home. You could have just stayed in New York. If you don't want to follow rules, don't get on a plane. If you don't want to follow rules and possibly catch COVID, don't go nowhere. Stay your ass in the house. I don't understand what the problem is, but that's fine. I'm boosting right now. Kalina Collier can go to hell. <laughs> Karen, I've never heard that one before, but it's a real thing. And I think ultimately when you do this, you go against the cause because for people who are actually being trafficked or even when we're talking about the Me Too movement, when you evoke these things with lies, it gives people permission to not believe others who really are in danger or who had actually been harmed.
harmed. And it's just another example of people taking advantage of where we are right now and being sensitive to people's well-being and using social media at that to propagate it. It's irresponsible. And she should be embarrassed and I'm sure she's regretting her actions right about now. Yeah, listen, I want her banned from Jamaica. I don't even know if I want her fired because it wasn't like she was doing anything for, you know, job related. But just don't come back to Jamaica. Don't ever come back. Don't ever come back. Stay there. But anywho, so Jared, as you know, Sunday was Valentine's Day and dear culture fam, if you didn't know, since 1993, the day before Valentine's Day, February 13th, is officially Black Love Day. So that was created by A.O. Handy Kendi. Black Love Day is a day meant to reconcile, celebrate, and demonstrate all things Black love. Like, look it up. I promise I didn't just make it up. I didn't just pull it out of my behind. It exists. It's a thing. It's been there. Reading Rainbow, Shooting Star, the more you know. All those things. Anyway. <laughs> this weekend, whether you were spending it on IG, flooding social media timelines with your bae, there's so many of y'all, y'all are annoying. Whether you were doing it with your family or friends, it was time to celebrate with someone that you love. But you here at Dear Culture, we like to keep it real. And quite frankly, not everyone's love is worthy of celebration. So we all have that one friend who is in a bad, toxic relationship, whether they're arguing all the time, breakup and makeup, sharing all their business on social media. We all know the types. I hope it's not you. If you're the type, you might need to check yourself. But it seems that in the grand scheme of things, people in toxic relationships stay in the cycle so long that everyone around them is pretty much numb to it. But that's an issue. Honestly, really, truly, y'all need to address it. And no one should remain in an unhealthy relationship. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to pull you out of it. All right. Let's get into the show. So Shauna, I'm really glad we're diving into toxic relationships because it's really important to be able to identify what they are. What would you say are the classic traits of a toxic relationship? Good Lord. As a person who has had, well, I've had several actually toxic relationships, but a really bad one. I would definitely say the constant breakup and makeup, especially in my 20s, this was my juge of like, <laughs> all right, well, I'm done with him. And you slam your phone down. If you had a flip phone, listen, nothing makes you feel as good as a flip phone where you can just snap clothes on somebody, right? When you done in the middle of an argument, we're done, blah, blah, blah. In the age of social media, someone who has changed their status from... in a relationship to single, all of a sudden, all the pictures that was on the timeline have been archived. You don't see none of those no more, right? A lot of subtweets go on. And what I'll definitely say too is, as a person who's been in <laughs> toxic relationships, and I've been the receiver of being with someone toxic, and I can admit I've also been a toxic person, I think a lot of the times there's a level of blatant disrespect. And whether that is there's cheating going on or gaslighting, Gaslighting is a huge thing. And I think a lot of people don't really recognize like how toxic that is. Now, granted, and if you don't know what gaslighting is, I'm going to give you a perfect example, right? And a recent example, that impeachment trial was a prime example. That was just, that was chef's kiss of what gaslighting is. Because we know the reality of something. I know what I saw. I saw it with my own eyes. And you trying to sit here and tell me that I didn't see what I saw wasn't what I really saw or I'm crazy for coming to the conclusion from what I saw. Those things are insane and it makes you feel like, have I lost my mind? Those are a lot of the traits that I've seen and that I've experienced. I can definitely also say like, really just not knowing how to argue fairly, right? Couples argue, I prefer it because that means we're having nice healthy debate. But what you won't do is talk to me crazy, right? Like one of my love languages is words of affirmation. If in the midst of our discussion, 
person and you are telling me that I'm nuts, I'm crazy. You know what? And matter of fact, here's another perfect example. Malcolm and Marie. We're going to talk about it later on in the show now. But that was the quintessential toxic relationship. And I remember just being like, Jesus Christ, I have been in this situation (laughs) more times than I can count. And it's not cute. It's not fun. And really, I'll say my last point will be, I think a toxic relationship is a relationship in which you feel like you are losing bits and pieces of yourself. You should never have to sacrifice parts of yourself to be with someone else. And I mean that wholeheartedly. And that applies to men, women. I don't care if you are in a same-sex relationship. I don't care. Never should you have to give up parts of who you are fundamentally in order to be with someone else. For what? In the words of Eartha Kitt, compromise. <laughs> No, you should never be compromising yourself <laughs> for a relationship. What about you? Never compromise. <laughs> I, I like that you mentioned that because I think a toxic relationship comes down to some fundamentals mm-hmm. and is usually centered around you not honoring yourself or the person that you're with not honoring you. Because ultimately, as human beings, we all really just want two things and we want to be heard and we want to be seen. Partner does not see you and does not listen to you. They're inherently participating in toxic behavior. But I want to to look up what experts think about toxic relationships. And so I found this article in Psychology Today called Five Signs of a Toxic Relationship. And they say that it falls down to some of these top five things. Subtle character assassination. So that's someone who you can do it without having the intention to do it, but nonetheless, you're doing it. Or mm-hmm. name calling or teasing the person. Some of us grew up maybe in school, maybe in your household where teasing and name calling is really normal. And then you grow <laughs> into an adult and then you don't even realize that you're doing it in your relationship. That's one example. There's another about controlling without knowing it. So mm-hmm. this is someone who's excessively checking up on you, telling you who you shouldn't be talking to. Those type who's like, oh, you can't talk to that person or they might be maybe gaslighting you about talking to certain friends. They want to control the environment. Also, never taking ownership. Ownership helps relationships grow, they say. And if it's not growing, it's stagnant. And if it's stagnant, it's toxic. Another trait is jealous, passive, aggressive behavior, blaming them for your jealousy. Mm-hmm. And it says we all get a little jealous and it's important to be honest about when you're feeling jealous versus feeling jealous and then being like, I don't like the way you talk that you were looking at them. I've had that experience. Mm-hmm. And the last one, it says negativity for too long. Projecting one's negativity or darkness on the other person, expecting the partner to be negative with you. So, you know, sometimes you have these negative Nancys, but I might be happy, but because you're not in a good place, you expect me to be there for you. Doesn't mean not to be empathetic. You want to be there and supportive for your partner, but I'm not you. You're your experience is not my experience. And I think that sometimes people have difficulty navigating how to be your authentic self. And that includes how you actually feel. And mm-hmm. if you're happy, you know, be happy. You don't have to be miserable with your partner. You should use your happiness to kind of bring them back into the light. So those are some of what experts say. And I think that Ultimately, if you are not loving on yourself, you will find yourself in toxic relationships. And I'm speaking from my own experience because when you are able to love yourself, you're able to identify what is healthy and what's best for you. And it helps inform your decision-making when deciding who you want to date. And I think sometimes we don't stop to figure out who we are and what we want. And then we get into relationships where we allow that person to dictate how the relationship should look like. And that's never healthy. Lord child, I have a feeling we about to get into today, Jaren. All right. So, you know, there are a lot of public examples of toxic black love. All of those things that you just mentioned, a lot of public examples. Not everybody could be Barack and Michelle. We already know that. But so who are 
some couples that stand up to you that maybe it's time they need to pull the plug? Well, I hate to do it because everyone knows Brandy's like my big sister in my head now. That <laughs> multiple times now. But her brother, Ray J, <laughs> I don't get it. He was raised right. He has amazing parents and a healthy, committed marriage. And he just cannot find himself in any healthy relationship. But his relationship with Princess Love is, I think, one of the more visible, toxic relationships. If you watch five minutes of Love and Hip Hop, <laughs> you know what we're talking about. And, you know, they've broken up. They've gotten back together. He's pushed her in the pool. He's cheated on her and gaslit her and made her feel like she's losing her mind by even implying that he might be cheating on her. When she was pregnant, he even like left her to go for other women, allegedly. So I think that's one of the most glaring examples. And it's kind of hard to determine where they are now because recently they'll celebrate holidays together. And I get it. They have two young children. And so you want to keep the family together. You want the family dynamic to be healthy, even if the relationship between you and the partner are not healthy. But she's even said that she's thinking about having another child with him, but not be with him. I guess she figures, well, I already got two kids with him. Let me have another. And I just don't think that type of behavior is healthy. I think if someone doesn't work for you, it's okay to be like, you know what? We tried. It didn't work out. But we can still love on these babies and have a healthy co-parenting dynamic. But when I see women stick around for the sake of children or staying with a partner or a man in particular and not seeing him change, that's just toxic. And I'll also mention Cardi being Offset because they're very similar. It's very ironic that his name is Offset because one day they're on, one day they're off. I just can't keep up with those two. Right now they're on. You know, they were celebrating Valentine's Day recently and it looked very beautiful and very romantic. So I'm happy that they're working it out. But I hope it stays that way because she's filed for divorce before and then she took it back. He's cheated on her and he's publicly apologized, but then he cheated again, allegedly. And so when you see a back and forth like that, something's telling you that the two participants in the relationship are ignoring the elephant in the room. And when you ignore something long enough, it will always come back to bite you in the butt. Listen, now Cardi and Offset, and I say this as a person who actually is a Cardi fan. I actually really love her. Cardi's a bird, right? And it's fine. Listen, we are all birds in our own way, okay? Just, it's here, okay? We out here. Now, Cardi's a bird and Offset too. He's a male bird. He's a rich one. And I'm interested to see if there's actually any growth from them as like a wife and as a husband, because those are really serious terms, right? And I think so many people are just so interested in being cute to have the title but not interested in like the work that it takes and it's so funny to me because I'm like I talk about my parents marriage all the time and I'm like yo marriage does not look fun it don't look easy there are days when I'm like I don't even know if I want that it does not look like a bushel of fun however I always find it so interesting that like rich people celebrities have these issues because I'm like you would think that when you have one of the things that leads to a lot of divorces for instance a lot of breakups is money I was like, y'all have the access. Y'all can go anywhere you want. He can sit up here and buy you 20 Range Rovers or something like that. And y'all still ain't figuring it out, you know, with without all of those extra barriers that regular degular folks like myself have to have. Because like, if this fool done spent the life savings on the damn Tesla, now I got to cut him. But he spends money, Offset spends money on the Tesla. Well, here we are. You know, <laughs> it's so fascinating to me. I think another celebrity couple that needs to go ahead and add that, you know, 
down to the list. We need to put them on the sick and shut in <laughs> of the relationships list. Definitely T.I. and Tiny. Quite frankly, they needed to have ended that relationship, that marriage expeditiously. I'm going to use a word from Tip. Just expeditiously. And we're not going to talk about, you know, when the rumors and such that are going on with them right now. But I'll say even pre-internet days, when it was like Word Up magazine, there were always rumors <laughs> about Tip. Him being a hoe, all them damn kids, all of these situations. I think that show, what is it? The Family Hustle show that they had. I saw so much gaslighting from Tip. Like he's just a really, Clifford is not well. He's not well. And Tiny is a person who, I mean, I'ma just say, she comes off to me as a dummy. I'ma just let her rock though. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it is what it is. It seemed like a dummy. And if we're gonna talk about dummies, let's talk about another dummy. Aventure or Adventure, as I like to call her. Pastor Gray's wife. Now, if you follow thegrio.com, y'all need to be following thegrio.com, please do. But if you follow thegrio.com, you've seen a op-ed that I did some months back about Pastor Gray and his wife. And Pastor Gray has cheated on his wife or had quote unquote inappropriate with other women nudes and sending broads money and getting brisket all types of stuff talking bad about Aventer to the side chick while his kids are in the car or in the room or all this other nonsense and I think what has always pissed me off about that situation is again I'm not in your marriage I'm not in your relationship I don't really care what you do it's your business whatever have fun if that's what y'all want to do that's great but don't involve the rest of us and don't act like you're not involved Involving the rest of us. You know what I mean? Like Pastor Gray is over here giving virtual sermons about, oh, well, you know, yes, I didn't honor my vows. And oh, you know, the Lord is working on me. Jesus didn't make you cheat on that woman. Jesus didn't do it. And the devil didn't do it. Your dick did. So here we are. And let's figure out what's the issue here on that end and speaking of people who have wayward penises peni i'm gonna call them peni let's just give them (laughs) wayward just all over the place anybody with future girl Lori Harvey, you dodged a bullet, girl. I'm just so glad that you ain't into pregnant. You weren't a part of the list. Future. Matter of fact, and you can actually add future in like all the rest of these N-B-A-Y-N-C, you sell them an O-P. I don't know. All them fools with the, all the letters and such in their names who be popping out these extra babies. And I'm just like, but why involve the rest of us though? Leave each other alone. I don't understand why do we all need to be a part of your information. I promise you, especially in social media and stuff, we love to talk about it. We don't really care. We don't really care. Please just go be healthy on your own. I promise. Life can be good. You have money and you have access. Go be free. Leave each other alone and leave the rest of us out of it. Yeah, to that point, despite these examples of toxic relationships, there are quite a few examples of people learning from their past mistakes and realizing, you know what? This toxicity is not for me and I'm going to walk away. And I'm starting to see it more so in our generation. I think our parents and grandparents come from a different generation where you just stay in a relationship because a lot of times religion has played a huge factor in how society views marriage and they don't believe in divorce, they don't believe in putting your business out there. But our generation and especially the younger boys and girls and in between, they're like, nope, if it don't make me happy, I'm out the second, which I think also can be not healthy. You don't want to just rush out of something. You want to give it the time and that it needs. But we talked about future in all his other relationships, but I thought about future and Sierra. And what a perfect example of someone who Sierra being in a relationship with somebody who was not faithful to her allegedly and then went and found love with Russell Wilson and now 
she's like couple goals like forever. What do you think about this concept of our generation breaking toxic cycles and generational cycles and choosing better for themselves? I think it's a matter of like, if you know better, you start to do better, right? So even like, and I hate to kind of bring them up because they did stay together, but fine, whatever. Beyonce and Jay-Z, right? I remember when Lemonade came out now, okay? And that was that HBO special. And I remember just watching like, is she telling us that she left Jay-Z? Is this her divorce announcement? Is this what this is? And really some of those tracks where she's talking about, listen, I'm here to break generational cycles. I don't want to be like my mother who it took her decades to take that damn ring off and leave Matthew's cheating behind alone. And that wasn't until he had this other child to go add to the marriage. I think it's coming from a place of where first off, I think we're in a better place to acknowledge our elders' mistakes. I think there's so many of us who it's crazy. We've watched like really toxic and unhealthy kinds of relationships that have occurred, like whether it be in our own family or friends or, you know, those type of things and not being afraid to talk about it. Right. There's no shame in divorce to me. If it's not working out, if y'all are feeling like I'm not being honored as a person, I'm not being honored as all these vows that we took in front of our family and friends and our ugly ass relatives. If those things are not being honored, then what are we doing? And if we have put in an earnest effort and therein lies the thing, what qualifies as an earnest effort, right? Now, I'm not a believer in if you cheat on me, let's figure some way to work it out. But that's just me. That's me, myself, personally. You dishonor me in that way one time, it has to be a hard no. And I say this because I'm a person who I've been cheated on a couple times and have tried to make it work. And all I've noticed is that now here I am resentful and angry and pissed off, right? Like here I am resentful, angry, and pissed off. And now here I am throwing things in your face. Here I am being toxic to you because of whether it was a mistake or I don't care, like something that hurt me. I also think like because our generation is much more open to things like therapy and actually talking about our feelings, actually addressing what some of these issues are. Because a lot of times, understand being in a toxic relationship does not mean like the toxicity is that, oh, y'all are cheating on each other. That that can have nothing to do with it. So I'll give you a perfect example. Like me, I don't date men who are not in therapy. And why is because everybody has their baggage. What you will not do is bring your damn luggage over to my I'm already overweight. My baggage is already overweight. I'm starting to unpack just now. I just, I want empty luggage. I do not need yours on top of mine as well. So, you know, and being a person who's like steadfast in that, if you're not in therapy, sir, we have nothing to discuss. I'm so proud of my black men because I've seen so many more black men. And I'll say maybe like the last two, three years have been so much more open to the idea of therapy and like talking about it and understanding you know, whether it's things like toxic masculinity and misogyny and misogynoir specifically as it relates to black women, you know, all of those things can contribute to toxicity in a relationship. How are we unpacking this? What are these things that we're deciding, you know what, this doesn't serve me, so I don't need to be a part of it. Karuchi Tran, for example, this is an extreme example, but her and Chris Brown. And I mean, we all saw Chris Brown was, Karuchi, I saw you on Ayanla. Chris Brown was out here, left Christmas Day, and then popped up at a Laker game where Rihanna <laughs> didn't tell Karuchi where he was going to be, but popped up at a Laker game and here you are in the shade room. All types of craziness. And Karuchi saying, you know what? I'm good. This doesn't need to be me. I would hope that all of us do not need to go to Ayanla, but she ain't doing the show no more. But I would hope that all of us do not need to go to Ayanla to recognize that there are certain things that where we just have to say enough is enough. I don't even know. <laughs> 
I just would add that I loved how Karuchi was able to navigate herself away from that relationship with Chris Brown because I know that it's not easy to walk away from a toxic relationship. I think it's important to acknowledge that because it's easier said than done. Because when you think you're in love, and especially if you have broken parts of yourself, it's hard to walk away because that relationship gives you a sense of comfort and makes you feel like you're not going to be able to survive without that person. Mm -hmm. And watching Karuchi Tran go through that, I don't know how long they were together, but they were together for years back and forth. And I remember I interviewed her like a few years ago, right after she broke up with Chris Brown, I guess, I think the last time. And she was like very timid and I can just see whatever she was carrying, whatever baggage she had, it was palpable. You can just see it on her. And now when you look at Karuchi Tran, she's a completely different person. She's zen, she meditates, you know, she's confident. And that happened after she left Chris Brown. When she left the toxic situation, she began to meet herself and figure out who she is. And she was able to create a career after that relationship as an actress and a model and an entrepreneur. And she's a perfect example of taking something bad and turning it into good and, and growing from a toxic relationship. And I just love that about her. So, Jaren, all this talk about toxic Black love has me reflecting on my own experience. And, you know, we've all stayed in relationships that weren't good for us. Looking back, what was the turning point for you to walk away from any kind of toxic relationship? Have you had a toxic relationship? I know we've talked about a few about, you know, some things in your past, Jaren, but <laughs> do you think it ever took a toxic turn? Yeah, I've been in a couple. Mm-hmm. I will first say that, like you, I have been the toxic person in the relationship, but nothing compared to what I experienced as the person receiving the toxicity. Mm-hmm. And I was in one relationship, and since we're coming out of Valentine's Day, I have to tell this story. So mm-hmm. I was in a relationship, I was in a situationship, I should correct that, with someone. And we were, you know, we dated, I would say, two years off and on. We were break up, get back together. And when I say break up, I mean that loosely because we were not in a official relationship, maybe mm-hmm. for about two months tops. But he expected me to behave like we were in a relationship. And I was so in love that I didn't care that we didn't give it a title. Mm-hmm. I just was like, oh, well, he's not ready or whatever. And Valentine's Day comes up and I wanted to celebrate Valentine's Day. Who does it within the situationship? And we were talking about dinner and he wanted to have dinner like days before Valentine's Day. And he told me it was because it was his grandmother's birthday and we were in New York and his family's in Jersey and he didn't want to have to drive there for the birthday and then come back. I think Valentine's Day fell on like a Sunday that year. And me being naive and just like believing whatever he said, even though I had a hunch that he was not being honest, I was like, okay, cool. So we celebrated like maybe on a Thursday or a Friday and Valentine's Day was on a Sunday. And the saying, all things in the dark come to light is so true. And what happened was a mutual friend of ours who follows him on Instagram, I was not following him on Instagram. Another toxic trait is that he didn't want me following him and I just, you know... (laughs) somehow stupidly was like, oh, okay, well, that's not such a bad thing. But a mutual friend did follow him and Mm -hmm. it was a private account. And there were pictures of him and his ex together during times when he would say he was with family, he was with the ex. And Mm -hmm. lo and behold, Valentine's Day, selfie, and it was very, very heartbreaking. For me, that was the turning point. And it's the only time in my life I've gotten so mad that I, obviously I called him trying to curse him out. He hung up on me. I drove from Harlem to Brooklyn. And if you live in New York, you know that's almost like an hour ride, depending on the time. It was like, I don't know, midnight or past midnight. I was like, I should slash his tires to his car. And I was literally having a Jasmine Sullivan moment. I was like, I'm going to bust the windows out this man's car. And the only reason why I didn't do it is because it was his company car and he wouldn't have hurt him. <laughs> oh, God. So, and so we had this toxic, just very rage-induced 
argument going back and forth. And sad to say, I actually did go back to him after that incident. And it took some time for me to really love myself enough to be like, you know what? This person is never going to love me. And I'm hurting myself. And I walked away. Another relationship, which was what my more recent relationship, it was relatively healthy, but he was older. I've told this story before and I lived with him in his house and it seemed perfect on the outside, but he didn't allow me to, I would say, be my full self. I didn't feel like I could be my authentic self around him. And toward the end of the relationship, it felt like a lot of pointing the finger, like something's wrong with you and you should go to therapy. That's what I often got from him. And then after like, I would say a year of going to therapy in this relationship, trying to save my relationship, I realized that, oh, it's not just me. Like he has baggage too. Like he has his own traumas and he's not acknowledging his traumas, but wants me to acknowledge mine, wants me to figure out why I'm the reason why we're not working out. And now in hindsight, I'm like, no, I wasn't the only toxic person. And there's nothing more toxic than to your point earlier in the show than gaslighting somebody and making them feel like it's all them. It's all in their head. And so now that I've been single for the past two years, I'm like, I'm not going to be in any relationship that's not going to honor me fully. If I can't be myself 100% and you love me for that, I can't do it. It's so funny that you were telling me some of these things because I'm like, child, I have been there. So I'll tell you about two outfits since we did one in the past and then one of the recent. So the one in the past, that is with a person who we had a relationship slash situationship for maybe six, seven years. Kid you not. Far longer than ever necessary. And the reason why is because me and that person, he was my best friend. Like funny enough is when we met, I was going through a really weird and tough transition period in my life. I honestly was a little bit lost and I think we were codependent on one another. And that kind of like started it. Now, unfortunately for me is that I was codependent with a narcissist and a sociopath. And yeah, all of those things. And that is the reason why he is in my friend group. We don't say his name. And this is why we were on and off for six or seven years, because then it would be like a time period where we wouldn't talk for like months. I mean, months. And then all of a sudden I would like randomly talk about him one day, like on a Tuesday with a friend of mine, like who would be like, oh, have you heard from such and such? Like, nah. And I would talk about him on Tuesday. By Saturday, I would have a text message in my phone or a phone call or an email after he was blocked from phone (laughs) messages or some other weird kind of interaction. Like anytime when I would block him, he would find a way to go around that, like create another email account or message me from something else. Like very, it was a lot. And it's why in my friend group, he is known as Voldemort, he who shall not be named. And the reason why that came to an end really was we had a situation in Vegas, I think for my 26th birthday. And basically he hit me during that trip. We got into like a physical interaction where he hit me and then like did a what's love got to do with it type of moment, like dragged me out of the hotel room, locked me out of the hotel room type of situation, like threatened to call the cop, like all types of things. And it took me a while to really accept the fact that that was like the first time where we had like real physical interaction, but the relationship was abusive from the start. I mean, like verbally abusive, mentally abusive. It was always like a, we're walking on eggshell. I'm walking on eggshells type of thing. And so that situation was for me where the love stopped, right? Like I was like, you know what? I think we're done here. Now, granted, I probably should have already assessed that when we had a situation where he was essentially like trying to facilitate a threesome, but didn't tell me that he was trying to facilitate this situation. And what ended up happening is I ended up having to drag a girl out of her car, like out of her window to beat her ass. You know, it was a lot of things. Listen, young me was very wild, okay? I had nothing to lose. I had nothing to lose. And then I'll say 
most recently, and you know, I've talked a little bit about this past relationship that I had that I fell in love, y'all. I fell hard. And our situation came to an end because, you know, inevitably he ended up messing around with someone else. And that's fine, whatever. And we've become kind of cordial, but kind of, and mainly because we have mutual friends, you know what I mean? And then we're like in this group me together. So we kind of have to interact on like that kind of level. We've talked to the phone like once or twice since the whole situation happened. But what's so crazy is I remember not too long ago, we ended up having a conversation. And I remember in a moment where it almost felt like we were falling back into the regular of what we did because he was a friend, you know what I mean? And someone who I, I could just sit there and talk to, I can be on the phone with that man for hours. And I had to take a moment and take a step back where I said to myself, Shauna, you are dishonoring yourself if you ever try to rekindle a a relationship or rekindle a friendship, or you ever try to rekindle anything with someone who has humiliated you. And that's where I kind of am with it. And so now it's like, I'm not angry, you know, I'm not anymore. I'm not like super angry anymore, but I can't say that I'm honoring myself by allowing someone to remain in my life after you did me dirty, plain and simple. So we done with toxic love, okay? It's not happening. 2021 is all healthy love, all right? That's what I'm trying to manifest and that's what I need. And that would be my only bit of advice to our listeners, man. Like, yo, at the end of the day, the one thing that you should be selfish about is yourself, plain and simple. The one thing, your time, your energy, your heart, you can be selfish with that because it's so much power that you give to someone else when you decide to love them. Make sure that they are worthy of it. And that's all I got. (laughs) And amen. It's really important to, like you said, honor yourself and be honest with yourself. Honor yourself and be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. You ultimately know deep down inside always if a relationship is not for you. So Mm -hmm. I encourage everybody to listen to your heart and listen to your instincts because they will always lead you in the right direction. But now let's check out a clip from Zendaya and John David Washington, the stars of Malcolm and Marie on Netflix, who talk about none other than toxic relationships. Kudos to Zendaya and John David Washington. Malcolm and Marie was really a beautiful example of toxic relationships. Mm -hmm. And it caused so much debate on the internet and really magnifies what it means to be in a toxic relationship. And it was very triggering for people. And if you guys haven't checked it out, please check it out. I think it really is a perfect segue to talk about these very difficult conversations. And it can help you figure out if you're in a toxic relationship. And Mm -hmm. it's on Netflix, so make sure you go watch it. Courtney Wills, the Grio. Hello. Hey guys, how are you? Good, good. How are you? Oh, good. It's nice to see both of you. We only have a few minutes, so we'll jump right in. Zendaya, would you say that Malcolm and Marie are two people in a loving relationship or two people <laughs> who hate each other? Because I think the crowd is going to be pretty split there. Yeah, I, I love the Beyonce card in the back. Yeah. A lot of people have Beyonce things in the back, Perfect. and that's how you know they're, yeah, they're a good person. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm split just probably is, I think, everyone who watches it is. That's, I think, the beauty of what we do. You know, there it really, 
the point is to have the conversation, the dialogue and the back and forth, the polarizing aspect of it. I don't think we're all supposed to agree and it's not supposed to be so black and white. I think it is supposed to be a little bit messy and confusing and conflicting. So like anyone else, I go back and forth. You know, sometimes I think that they're great for each other and they're the only people that truly can deal with each other and see each other and push each other in the right ways. And they just know each other like no one else. And then other days I'm like, this is not how relationships should work. Like this is wrong. They need to go to therapy. They need to not be together. You know, they're codependent. This is bad, you know? So it's difficult and it's confusing for me as well. And I've been able to live with the characters and I'm still learning more about the characters. I think as we do interviews, like I, people point different things out that I maybe didn't understand or acknowledge or things that they connected to or whatever the case may be. And I'm learning more about them as I go. So I don't know if I have an answer for that. Wow. John, David, what do you think? Are these two people in a healthy relationship? It could be healthy for their art, you know, but I don't know if it's healthy for their personal life. I really don't. That being said, is this the only time they've gone this far? You know, we're talking about a snapshot, you know, of their relationship. They've been together, what, five years or something? This could be the worst night they've ever had, which makes it the event is this is supposed to be the best night of their lives, you know? So I think I need more information. If this is the biggest fight they've ever had, I think maybe they can overcome this. But if this has been building up, if there's been sort of, you know, little incremental in, into this night entering what they should have been saying, what they've kind of been saying the whole time, then no, I think this is not healthy at all. And lastly, Zendaya, what would you say was the most challenging part of filming this at a time when, I mean, this was kind of the beginning of COVID. We didn't know where it was going or what it really was, but what was the most daunting part of that task? Right. Well, there's a certain level of responsibility, not only just as creative, but also as a producer. We're both producers on this and not just like producers, but like actual... our name on it, put our heart in it, put our money into it, you know, do all the meetings kind of producer, you know. And with that being said, that comes another level of responsibility. And the number one thing I think for all of us was that this was done safely. And so there was a lot of strict protocols put in place and we were able to kind of make this bubble of people, this production bubble, where once you're in, you, you know, you're in, you can't go out. And we also were able to kind of reconstruct what the equitable model of filmmaking is, you know. So our group, that was a huge part of us wanting to get back to work was our crew was also out of work that mm-hmm. was us in euphoria and if there was any way that we could also get them paid then we wanted to do that too and so they also shared in getting points on the back and also had like a real ownership in this film which you know I don't know how many times that's ever been done before but it feels like the right way to structure films you know yeah. that the people who really give their heart and soul and their time into something really get to see the benefit of it so it was daunting of course and scary but also we worked diligently and everybody who wanted to be there, wanted to be there, but also wanted to follow the rules and make sure it was safe too. You know, there wasn't anybody there who didn't want to stay in that bubble, (laughs) you know? So with that being said, I'm proud of the movie, but I'm even more proud of of how we were actually able to make it. Fantastic. Thank you both so much. You take care. Of course, thank you. Bye. We want to remind our listeners to support your local Black businesses and donate to your local organizations and religious institutions. The business that we will highlight this week is Jungalo. Jungalo began as a design blog in Justina Blakeney's tiny plant-filled living room in 2009. It has since grown into a lifestyle brand and the go-to source for jungalicious design goods and inspiration. The furniture shop features signature Justina Blakeney home and Jungalo collections designed in a Los Angeles studio. There's also a curated ensemble of creative, colorful, modern goods from around the globe. 
Jungalow is proud to offer an exclusive rotating selection of high quality, limited edition art prints from an international group of female artists. Be sure to check out their website at jungalow.com. That's J-U-N-G-A-L-O-W.com. The Grio has published a list of 50 plus black businesses to support during the coronavirus pandemic. If you'd like your business to be featured, email us at info at That's G-R-I-O.com. Thank you for listening to Dear Culture. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with everyone you know. And of course, please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments. We love those. To podcasts at thegrio.com. The Dear Culture podcast is brought to you by The Grio and executive produced by Blue Toulousma and co-produced by Sunda Sasan, Brenda Alexander, and Kevin Y. Brown. <laughs>